Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist John Brennan. And this marks a historic moment in the annals of Gamble On lore, as this will be the first episode of the podcast since your intrepid co-hosts met each other in person. Uh, that's right, we've been working together almost six months, uh, podcasting together since August, but we'd never met until last night's U.S. Bets team steakhouse dinner in Manhattan, where John lived up to his meat and potatoes billing. Uh, the server tried to give him some asparagus, some Brussels sprouts, and John was having none of it. Uh, beer, steak, and potatoes. Let there be no question who is the manliest man on Gamble On. I accept my fate as the runner-up in that competition. Uh, Eric, I, w- I want to note that it was a baked potato, not French fries, uh, which I gave up years ago. Because <laughs> I'm all about the balanced diet, so like, give me that much. And you, you mentioned last week that you have become a pescatarian, and I had thought that that was uh, meant that you only ate while watching Joe Pesci movies, which, depending on the channel, <laughs> would give you plenty of opportunities. But I didn't see you checking your phone last night, so uh, does this maybe have something to do with eating fish? I guess instead. Or yes, that is correct. I was not. I was not watching uh, my cousin Vinny on my phone as as we <laughs> ate or anything like that. No, I, I had uh, for I. Had had a delicious uh, California cab to drink. Uh, credit to Cal Spears for showing me the way on that one. And uh, my yellowfin tuna with bok choy was on point. Uh, and uh, and I must say, you missed out on some phenomenal Brussels sprouts, John. Yeah, I got the bone in ribeye. I, I did okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you to everybody out there for joining us for episode number 17 of Gamble On. You can find any of our previous 16 episodes on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Uh, like Thanksgiving leftovers, the episodes are just as enjoyable after the fact. Uh, and if you want to make sure not to miss any episodes going forward, just tap the subscribe button. Uh, yeah, please do, everybody. And uh, coming up a little later on the podcast, we'll be talking to Sports Handle founder uh, and editor-in-chief Brett Smiley. Uh, you may have heard the news on Twitter or elsewhere uh, that broke uh, on Wednesday that U.S. Bets, uh, we acquired uh, Sports Handle. So Brett is now part of the team, and he'll be joining us to discuss how he got into sports gambling media and his thoughts on the latest goings-on in that industry. But uh, first, we have a lot of news to cover, so let's start the show. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Of 
Before we get into the top three stories of the week, a quick note on a big story that simply isn't worth discussing in detail. Rhode Island went live with sports betting on Monday, becoming state number eight. We've reached the point where it's not a big deal anymore when the first sports book in a state opens. So we're passing along the news, but I don't have much in the way of analysis. Do you have anything to say about Rhode Island launching, John? Uh, I know that Rhode Island is the ocean state, and I just wonder how they got that. I mean, was there a bidding war with, let's see, Maine, <laughs> Maine New Hampshire, Massachusetts, uh, uh, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, you know, down in Florida, Washington, Oregon, California, Hawaii, Alaska? I mean, the, a lot of a lot of states uh, had that option, but uh, apparently they had other uh, things to note about their state rather than going with the, the default ocean. <laughs> Yeah, you know, not, I, I'd never thought about it. Uh, I actually, uh, my my mother is from Rhode Island. I went to college in Rhode Island. I've spent a lot of time there, and never once did I pause to think why, of all the states that border the ocean, <laughs> did Rhode Island get it? Maybe percentage of state uh, of state surface area that touches water is highest uh, in Rhode Island, uh, perhaps. Uh, I'm going to go with Hawaii there. I'm going to go with Hawaii oh, there. Oh, <laughs> you make a good point. Okay, but but uh, Hawaii wasn't a state yet when Rhode Island claimed the ocean state. I'll go That's with that. probably true. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on to story number one. Um, there's been progress in D.C. with regard to sports betting legislation, and we don't mean federal legislation. We mean specific to the District of Columbia. There was a hearing Wednesday on Bill 22-944, and the committee agreed to move the bill along to a first reading next week. But the big story is that the sports betting bill included a royalty for the sports leagues of one quarter of 1% of gross revenue, and the committee unanimously agreed to ditch that royalty before advancing the bill to the next stage. Whether you call them integrity fees, royalties, or whatever name you want to give it, the leagues just continue to lose this fight. Uh, so, John, two questions. Uh, do you foresee sports betting coming to D.C. in the first half of 2019? And will the leagues bid for royalties cease after this now that they've been shot down yet again? Uh, well, I definitely think D.C. is on the uh, the fast track. Um, they'll easily get done by before mid-2019. Um, they'll be kind of the ninth jurisdiction, I guess we'll call it, in the, the U.S. for sports betting. Um, they really have been clever. I listened in on a, on a hearing uh, that they had this fall, and they recognize that they can outfox Maryland, Virginia. You know, got hundreds of thousands of, of D.C. employees who live in those states, and they can picture them spending their lunch hour making, making these bets. So hmm. uh, Maryland, Virginia have not proven themselves over time as early gambling expansion adapters, to, to say the least. And I think D.C. taxpayers will get a modest benefit for a while. Uh, the other one, as far as royalties or whatever you want to call it, uh, I found out again this week that it still uh, seems to be going strong in the version of the New York State sports betting bill that may be thawed out again next spring. So uh, it's not dead yet. I've had insiders tell me for the past year that um, if if it if it gets in in New York, uh, other states may follow that. Uh, but if not, it's dead. So I, th I think it's up to New York to uh, uh, save the day if the leagues are going to get this. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, my my sense, even before you told me that, was that the leagues probably aren't done just yet trying for royalties. But I was thinking we're getting close to the point where they give up. Maybe you're right that that New York is is the make or break on that. But I'm just sort of looking at the the whole picture of how this has been going along. If you ask the prettiest girl in school to the dance and she turns you down. Then you ask a few more pretty girls. Then you ask a few average looking girls and they're all turning you down. You probably give up somewhere along the line before you get all the way to like the least attractive girl in school. Most people can only take so much rejection. It just feels like the leagues have got to be getting close to accepting their fate. But but it makes sense that they'd give it give it one last shot, at least with New York, because that could turn things around on that front. 
Uh, New York's a pretty enough girl in, in uh, your example, that If, uh, if <laughs> right. she says yes, uh, it may uh, pay dividends. <laughs> True. Um, and one other thing to add on this is just that I, I'm glad in D.C. to see them discussing mobile apps and, and online sports betting already right out of the gate. You know, it's a, it's a good sign when that's part of the discussion early. So uh, D.C. residents and visitors, uh, you can be somewhat optimistic that if sports betting is coming, online wagering is coming with it. Yeah, the, the, the monthly New York, the New Jersey figures are so big and, and will keep getting bigger that states are going to take notice and, yep. and districts, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, moving on to the next story on the docket. Uh, this one is a John Brennan on the scene special, uh, although you didn't have to travel too far for this one. Uh, the Ice Sports Betting USA conference was not too far from your backyard this week. It was just a short train ride away in Manhattan. And you were there for several panels on Tuesday and Wednesday using your wily charms to get into forums that few members of the media could get into. Uh, you wrote a, a couple of articles that are up on our sister site, njonlinegambling.com. Interesting stuff about uh, New Jersey's key role in the sports betting revolution, really compelling quotes from DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins about the company's move into sports betting. You're the man on the scene. Uh, so what speakers, panels, or moments stood out during your two days at the conference? Yeah, there were quite a few, but I think what struck me the most is back in the summer, I went to into Manhattan for the MGM NBA uh, deal uh, partnership uh, that the uh, the casino company was going to be paying the NBA for uh, rights to data and such. And I just um, I didn't quite get it, but I know the NBA is smart. I know MGM is smart. So I uh, I kind of wrote about that that way, that there's there's something more to this. And I, I think I I kind of fully understand it now that Jim Muir and the CEO uh, did an interview at this at this uh, event. Um, first of all, he he noted that uh, he's offended by the very term integrity fees, uh, yep. which is interesting. He said, you know, uh, they already do that. They don't need to pay to have integrity. They already have integrity. On the other hand, he not only is signing uh, proprietary data deals, but explained it has significant value in terms of in-game betting. And that's something that wasn't as clear to us back in the summer. You know, now that we've seen in New Jersey how well it does, and of course it does in the UK. And I, I think he may be onto something here. You know, uh, sports betting operators who don't want to pay for that data in like real time have to think, I I would say, about scaling back in-game bets slightly. Um, so instead of offering odds on a tennis player's next serve being in or out, and there have been some issues with that, um, you may be offered which player wins the next game. So a sophisticated betting group may be able to get a real-time jump by knowing that the first serve is out before the betting window closes, but that hardly clinches them winning the game. So I, I wonder if... Um, uh, a lot of these operators are going to have to make that decision. If they if they want to be really aggressive with uh, live betting, constant live betting, they may they may want to have the proprietary data. And if not, they may want to dial that back a little bit. I think that's a choice they may have to make, which uh, I hadn't realized before. Uh, you also mentioned uh, DraftKings. Yeah, they're already drawing 20% of their business from sports betting and uh, 80% of their business in New Jersey on that front. So, um uh, sports betting, you know, compared to daily fantasy sports, is is going to be uh, uh, the well for sure. Um, there also was one subtle point uh, from Donald Fair of the NHL Players Association. Uh, he casually suggested that the the NFL and the other sports organizations who uh, lose the uh, uh, who lost the New Jersey sports betting case, they may not be as fragmented on what to do next as their face value public comments would suggest. You know, it seems like the NFLs in one direction and the NHLs in another, and the other ones are different. And uh, he he kind of hinted that. Uh, you know, there there may be a little bit of PR posturing at work, and uh, this is hardly fair as first rodeo. So uh, I kind of uh, respect that. Ah, interesting. So there there are secret 
talks and alliances going on behind the scenes then, it seems. It could be. Okay. Um, out of all the stuff that you reported on, I found the DraftKings stuff the, the most interesting. The, the fact that they are offering sports betting in one state and sports betting is already 20% of their total business, that that's staggering. Once they add one more big state, um, looking at you, Pennsylvania, uh, sports betting could surpass DFS for them, especially when you consider that the Super Bowl is not made for DFS and is very much made for sports betting. This is not exactly a bold prediction, I guess, but uh, I, I would think that by February, sports betting will account for more than half of DK's action. Uh, I agree with it, and I agree with you. And I think that uh, looking back in ten years, I think uh, you know that the two big players are going to realize that you know we got in on daily fantasy sports, and that was pretty good, and we were fairly successful raising money. If nothing else, they don't right. make money. <laughs> right. Jason Robbins admitted the company still doesn't make money. Right. Um, but but it got them in the door on how to think about uh, getting uh, risk taking, shall we say, uh, of sports fans. And now uh, they've been kind of. Uh, sort of first to market on on sports betting where the real money is and so uh even though in the end dfs may may fade a bit uh i think they made the right play the way they did it yeah and, and i also found it really interesting the information you shared about why DraftKings uses a separate sports betting app that basically geolocation can be annoying when you're on the sports betting side and they don't want that geo recheck interfering with people's dfs experience i hadn't thought about that but i found that a very interesting reveal yeah, I mean, I, I, when I do it at home, I've gotten used to the fact that if I just yeah, go and grab a, a bite of eat or something, I come back, I'm logged out. But yep. I, I, I understand that um, they have to know that you're still in New Jersey. So if you can be logged in for an hour, you may not be in New Jersey anymore and you're still betting. And you know that, that would run afoul of the federal government and interest rate law. I mean, there's just so many headaches. So if you're a, a sports better, I think, can pretty much understand that. But somebody with DFS, they, they've never had that issue in a couple of years. And right. so if all of a sudden they have that, they're, it's going to be too much of a nuisance. So I, I think they did the right thing there. Yep. All right. Our third and final story, Major League Baseball made an announcement on Tuesday. And at this point, when a sports league says it has a sports betting related announcement, we pretty much assume it's an MGM partnership. And that's exactly what this was. Uh, it's a quote unquote, all inclusive partnership. Uh, there's branding and marketing and data rights, yada, yada. We've been down this road before. Uh, MGM already has similar deals with the NBA and NHL. They're really running out of leagues to partner with. Uh, so the obvious question, John, is an MGM-NFL partnership coming? Well, you know, we learned a lot from uh, the CEO, Murren, on that front uh, yesterday as well. Uh, first off, he called the NFL not as enlightened, quote-unquote, on sports betting as the other leagues. It was so refreshing to find somebody who's not uh, so fearful of the NFL behemoth <laughs> that they, they can say something that isn't uh, so positive on their front. Um, but at the same time, you know, he has a deal with the Jets already recently, and uh, Murren said that they're in talks with four or five other NFL teams on, on deals similar to that. Uh, I know the Cowboys have a deal with a uh, Oklahoma tr a tribe, and um, you know, MGM, they say they prefer to cut the deals with the, with the entire leagues, but uh, Mern suggested that in the case of the NFL, it's going to wind up as sort of the NFL team tails, you know, wagging the league dog, where enough teams are going to be interested that the league will come around uh, soon enough. And uh, he's very confident in that, and uh, I believe him. Yeah. Um, and it, with regard to MLB, it's just so funny with these sports leagues, uh, how they'll turn on a dime. Uh, it, it all reminds me of the famous quote from boxing promoter Bob Arum 
yesterday I was lying, today I'm telling the truth. Uh, so basically, yesterday, Rob Manfred was very anti-sports betting. Now he's cool with it. Uh, and somewhere in between those two points, he was cool with it, but only if MLB got a financial cut. Uh, th- this is the world that we live in. Sports betting is here. Everyone's coming around. If you can't beat them, join them. That's basically become the prevailing attitude. Yeah, I mean, I remember it back in September. I was out in uh, Las Vegas for the Global Gaming Expo, and uh, the William Hill U.S. CEO, Joe Asher, was on a panel, and he was saying, you know, and only half-jokingly, that when he talks to MLB officials, he said, I know you guys are trying to speed up the pace of play, but don't speed it up too much. We're doing really, <laughs> really well in New Jersey uh, with live in-game betting, and the slow pace of the games actually is good for us. And sure enough, lo and behold, this week, uh, out comes Rob Manfred and saying, you know, well, uh, you know, we're, we're, we have a unique advantage over the other games because of our pace of play. So for those of you who are just baseball fans and want the damn game to be over with already, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm one of the peop those people who still loves baseball. I love sitting there watching it. I don't want the games getting any longer though. Uh, if if anything, yeah, uh, yeah, we do we do need to speed it up uh, a, a little bit. So I guess my uh, my love of baseball and my love of sports betting are slightly at odds there. It's not gonna happen. No no speed up. <laughs> not gonna happen. No. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the gamble on interview. We now welcome to the podcast Brett Smiley, the founder and CEO of SportsHandle.com, which, as we mentioned at the top of the show, is the latest site to join the U.S. Bets family, thus making Brett our new brother. Uh, And his deputy editor, uh, Jill Dorson, is our new sister. Uh, Brett, welcome to the team and welcome to Gamble On. Happy to be on the show. Happy to be with the team. Uh, I don't know if we're blood brothers or blood sisters yet. (laughs) Let me know when that happens and... I will oblige. I think when there's an actual exchange of blood, you'll know without me telling you. Okay, good Good to know. (laughs) So uh, you're on an interesting career path. You were pursuing a career as a lawyer, uh, then veered off that track to become a sports journalist and now specifically a sports gambling journalist. What led you to those career decisions? And a year plus out from launching Sports Handle, how are you feeling about the career decisions? So far, one thing has has led to another, uh, seemingly for for a reason. Uh, but to start at the beginning, uh, basically, I didn't know what to do uh, after college. Everybody says you can do anything with a law degree, which is true. You can also do anything with a law degree and a hundred or something thousand less student loan debt. In any <laughs> event, uh, I took that plunge. It just seemed like uh, uh, an okay investment of time and money and Pretty early on in uh, in law school, the first year really, I I, I realized maybe this isn't for me. So I, I was the guy who uh, didn't study terribly hard and, and basically just sat in the back with his laptop and blogged about what other people were doing in class. And uh, it it sounds crazy and like a waste of time, but it actually it's that's where I feel like I kind of honed some of my uh, writing skills or not skills, but just did it enough that you kind of learn what you're good at and. And, uh, you know, just how to be better. Uh, but anyhow, I finished up and I, you know, passed the bar, which was an experience. And then I practiced in Manhattan at a mid-sized firm for a couple of years. And uh, this was what, around 2008, nine, when the economy was about cratering. So I thought it'd be a good idea to leave a job at that point. <laughs> and I did. I was just, uh, I mean, you guys all know plenty of lawyers, I'm sure. And as do any of the listeners, most of the ones that I know are, are unhappy. Fortunately, um, 
the people I'm still very close with, you know, my, my best friends, they're, they, they are practicing lawyers and, uh, they enjoy what they do. So I'm grateful for that, but it wasn't for me. And, uh, I decided to, uh, I, I didn't even have another job lined up at the time. I was just at, at kind of a breaking point mentally and, and physically. I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and, uh, I just started, you know, basically writing certain articles for free and then taking one small gig after another and another, and just, uh, kind of as much work as I can get until I built up some sort of, uh, a portfolio, which ultimately led me to, uh, doing some, some blogging for New York mag for their intelligencer, which was a phenomenal experience, worked with a lot of people who were way smarter than I am and learned a lot. And, um, and then I hooked up with sportsillustrated.com for, uh, it was basically perma perma freelance for a year and a half hmm. and uh three years prior to launching sports handle with with fox sports covering nfl and mlb stuff uh I'm, well sports had always been the passion all along if i didn't say that as well in addition to writing and so an opportunity came to me last may of 17 to to join a group of guys who had uh been in and around gaming and it, uh, you know, just one thing kind of led to another. The Supreme Court picked up the case and just kind of put the foot on the pedal. And uh, there's been no shortage of things to cover, as you guys well know. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Brett, I, I feel like I have an honorary law degree after, uh, you know, six years of reading the New York, New Jersey sports betting filings. Uh, I've got four years on that Phil Ivey versus Brigada lawsuit. Uh, a lot of other New York, New Jersey legal battles, some of them arenas and stadiums and such. And uh, but, you know, that only goes so far. So uh, I know you, you got something out of your law degree you mentioned. But, you know, how significant is that degree and that background in, 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 in covering U.S. gambling expansion and specifically writing about it? It's definitely been been helpful. And, and yeah, there's uh, this case is is. Uh, a saga on its own, and and I insist that you do need to write a book on that. But separate from that, uh, understanding the you know some of the legalese and the in the opinions that the the courts are putting out, and 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 parsing through a lot of these regulations, that's just something you kind of just get used to as a junior associate. You know, go to the go look through the books and and read the regulations. So just kind of identifying you know the way they're structured, like the definitions and this, the clauses. So I feel like I had some experience uh, wading through those a bit easier, and uh, but you know the the legal training also I think helped me make make me a better writer too. Even though lawyers are are famous for being uh, kind of verbose and a bit indulgent at times, so I I credit, I've noticed I've noticed yeah, that. <laughs> yeah 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 especially the litigators, uh, but I've definitely uh, you know tapped into to some of that training writing. And, uh, and reading regulations, I'd say foremost. Hmm. All right. Well, you live in New Jersey, uh, where you can bet sports freely these days. Uh, as both a player and a journalist, what are you liking and disliking in these first couple of months of, of legal sports betting in the state? And I'll add, as a sports better, I am liking pretty much everything. It's, uh, okay. you know, I, it's... There's been such a well. The prohibition has been there for so long. Just to the the accessibility of having eight different sports books uh, to choose from, it's uh, you know compared with with what we had previously, uh, right. just funding and uh, and wagering. Um, I don't I don't have a lot to to complain about. I I mean one of them is is, is total minutia. It's the fact that you can't make correlation parlays. 
It's uh, basically if I think, you know, the, the game tonight is going to be one side and the under, they won't allow you to, to put those together at any of the books that I've seen. Mm. Um, I think I did a terrible job of, of answering your actual question. What was it? <laughs> uh, uh, other likes or dislikes? Yeah, or even, you know, I'm curious, is there a particular site or type of bet or, or sport that you find yourself making wagers on uh, more, more than the others? Well, the wife really enjoys... Uh, Mixed martial arts, and so there have been a couple of good UFC events that have gone on, you know, since the rollout. It was uh, Khabib, Connor, and uh, the Cormier fight against, uh, I think it was Lewis. And uh, obviously I remember those because we hit kind of uh, long shot props on those. It was the correct round of the submission. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's criticisms, you know, these people are rushing to market. You know, they're, they're too slow. Obviously there was that FanDuel glitch. I think that right. it's just... In each state, there's going to be a bit of a learning curve. People should not be expecting perfection. Uh, it's always the vocal minority on Twitter who's just very critical of, of any mistake whatsoever. I think New Jersey has done a phenomenal job so far. I mean, the revenue numbers are trending upwards. The sports books are, are crowded. People, as far as I can see, have, have been enjoying it. I don't think it's just a novelty. I think this interest has always been there. And... Uh, you know, credit to the DGE and, and Rebook, who uh, I think they've done a nice job of, of managing everything so far. All right. Uh, Brett, I, I want to pick your brain, basically, to, to pick your most ex- intriguing sports betting state uh, for, for for that intrigue in 2019. I'll, I'll give you five. Uh, California, Florida, New York, Indiana, Illinois, or I'll even let you go off the board if you like. In terms of uh, just sheer intrigue? Yeah, in terms of maybe controversy or surprises or uh, disappointments or just uh, a state you're really thinking like 2019 is maybe it's make or break or, or something like that. I'm going to go to New York just because the – well, it's, it's my home state. I grew up in Poughkeepsie. Uh, but there's – it's – I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen. It was at that conference the other day that Gary Pretlow, one of the key assemblymen, says that he gives it a 90% chance that, some, that they'll pass something next year. You have in the uh, the added complexity of that upstate New York gaming act that allows sports betting only at the commercial casinos. There's obviously a lot of competing interests with uh, you know the tribes, the OTBs, the the racetracks. You know they want to make sure that that they're included. Um, obviously, you have all the professional sports leagues, and New York is the home of the, the you know the leading legislation where we left off in in June included that so-called royalty of 0.2, which would have been a tremendous victory. And obviously, because there's so many million people in New York, that's that would just be a huge uh, chip to fall uh, in terms of the national landscape. Uh, both DraftKings and FanDuel have a have a foot in there with with the commercial casinos. So we're just going to see a real clash of the titans. You know, and then, and then you have a lot of money that's going to be coming in. I think, well, not I think, but obviously with uh, just the you know the average income in New York City, uh, the handle could just totally balloon. I think gambling compliance put it at like. Uh, I don't remember the number, but larger than the entire UK mm. sometime by 2020. So I think New York really has it all in terms of stakeholders, potential, uh, you know, leagues, lobbyists. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. I have no idea where it's going to go. I don't think anybody really knows. So that that's one that I'm excited to to see unravel. All right, I'm ready to go uh, under on Pretlow's 90% uh, play there. I it, it, Don't ever underestimate Albany's dysfunction. So uh, my favorite is one that, that nobody really talks about is Indiana, where um, I, 
the NCA and Indianapolis have such a tremendous relationship. There are so many national championships held there. There's going to be two Final Fours in the next seven or eight years already scheduled there. So the NCAA is going to tell Indiana lawmakers they can't uh, offer sports betting on, on college games. Mm-hmm. And uh, Notre Dame would be an enormous play, not only in Indiana, but of course they're basically a Chicago suburb. So uh, you would get so much money coming down from Illinois into Indiana to bet mm-hmm. on Notre Dame games. So the lawmakers, to make money, they have to let uh, college uh, betting go on in Indiana, but they can't let it go on because then they lose the NCAA. So uh, I, I have no idea what they can do. So uh, that's kind of my favorite. Raskin, I'm going to go ahead and take the liberty of putting you on the spot because, well, by way of background, I mean, I don't think anybody was looking at Arkansas as a state that potentially would be in the mix. And then they went ahead and chucked that on, on the ballot. And now there they are. Which state that nobody is really talking much about uh, that maybe doesn't even have a bill on the table are you intrigued by? Hmm. Uh, let's see. I, I I guess this doesn't qualify as one that nobody's talking about, but certain because people are always talking about it. But it definitely doesn't have a bill on the table. Uh, it would be California. It yeah. is just the 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 most significant one that you know flips everything upside down if it ever happens. Now nobody's talking about it in terms of it being a realistic possibility for next year, maybe not even the next few years. Um, but that that's the one that's always I think in the back of my mind as oh, you think New York is big, wait until if California ever comes along. Uh, that that one, I, I guess, uh, maybe doesn't quite answer your question because you were looking for something a little more under the radar, but that's that's the big one uh, that, that might be a few years down the road. Yeah, and that'll, that'll be one of the biggest ships to fall if it does, along with Florida and Texas, which have uh, similar log jams. Yeah. All right. Really interesting stuff. It has been a pleasure speaking with you, Brett. Uh, Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, And once again, welcome to the team. Looking forward to big things to come on Sports Handle. Very excited to work more closely with you guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Brett. Take care, guys. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but we start, as always, with our shared bankroll, where we got back to our winning ways last week. We only went two for four on our bets, but one of the winners was a big bet for a big return. That was your $200 bet, John, at plus 175 on Phil Mickelson, which uh, thank you very much uh, for for the bet, John, uh, because I followed the tip and I made the bet with real money uh, at the same odds. And, And I understand you did the same. Uh, yes, I did. I was very happy. I was a little nervous for a while, but uh, and bored for the first four hours. I'm going to be honest, but uh, <laughs> but it was all it was all worth it in the end. Exactly. All right. Well, that bet added three hundred fifty dollars to our bankroll. We also added a hundred dollars on my Eagles Giants over forty six points bet, which just cleared the crossbar at forty seven total points. Uh, we lost one hundred sixty five dollars on your Michigan bet, unfortunately, uh, and I double audibled us right out of the money on my other bet. Uh, listeners will recall that I considered taking the Bears, but wimped out because Mitch Trubisky was hurt. Uh, Then I considered the Bears-Lions under, uh, but didn't take it. Either of those would have been winners, but instead I tried the parlay of 76ers win and Ben Simmons gets a double-double, and Simmons finished with 22 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists. Uh, So we lost $100 on my double-audible pick there, and uh, any 
any scolding that you want to do toward me about parlay bets, uh, I, I would say I deserve it. Um, well, that's a lost cause at this point. <laughs> I guess so. Um, in terms of futures bets, uh, good news as the Browns won and the Dolphins lost, though we're still underdogs on both bets. But at least it looks like we'll, we'll have a sweat to the finish on, on one or both of those. Uh, anyway, we are now... In the black by $430, and we have $1,770 tied up in futures bets, leaving us $8,660 to bet with this week. And I'm up first. Uh, I wrote an article this week about betting on division winners in the NFL, and my favorite bet on the board is the Chicago Bears at minus 380 to win the NFC North. I studied their remaining schedule and the Vikings' remaining schedule, And I don't think Minnesota can catch them. They have tough games at New England and at Seattle the next two weeks. So I'm betting $380 to win $100 on the Bears to take the division. All right. That sounds reasonable. Uh, First off, I I have to officially apologize for that Michigan pick over Ohio State, which might have been the worst one I've made all year. I mean, Ohio State coach Urban Meyer is many things, and not all those things are kittens and puppies, but uh, he runs rings around Michigan's Jim Harbaugh as a coach, and I should have known he had saved up some personnel changes uh, with a much faster set of receivers to exploit Michigan's defense uh, for that big game. So uh, moving on, uh, sort of, because uh, it's championship week, and after getting beat both ways by Ohio State the last two weeks, I'm taking their game off the so uh, let's start out with 110 in Oklahoma, minus eight over Texas, as the Sooners avenge their only 2018 loss. Uh, I imagine the over-under is close to 100, so I'll pass on that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it's been well established on this show that betting overs is fun, uh, especially when the Rams are involved. The total for their game in the Dome at Ford Field against the Lions is 54 and a half points. The Rams might just get there all by themselves. Uh, more realistically, I see something like a 41 to 20 final score in this game, somewhere in that range. Uh, certainly, that would be good enough to hit the over. So I'm putting $110 on it to win 100. All right, I'm going to try one more uh, college football pick, as I've been doing for the last month or two. Um, I think I've learned to properly fear, fear Alabama, but. Getting 13 and a half points with Georgia is just too good a value play for me to ignore. Uh, I'll lay 165 to win 150 here. And I feel like if I can get one big special teams or turnover play, uh, I think I would cash on this one. All right. The the bigger money bet, the 165, got to come through with that one for us, John. Exactly. All right. We wrap up with the fast five. After week 11, you were 29, 25 and one. I was 27, 25 and three. And I regret to report, John, that you took it on the chin last week. You got the goose egg, 0-5. Uh, before I go any further, do you want to complain about any bad beats? Uh, well, let's see. I had the Falcons plus 13. They lost by 14 with all those red zone fumbles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Redskins plus 7.5. They lost by 8 with a, yeah. an officiating crew that presumably enjoyed a post-game Thanksgiving meal courtesy of Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. Uh, <laughs> Packers with 4.5. They lost by 7. Uh, Eagles... Uh, Minus six. They only won by three. Uh, Redskins and Packers kicked a foolish field goal late in the game instead of going for a spread covering touchdown in the red zone <laughs> because their head coaches are they, they don't really understand the fundamentals of when to go for it in those situations. Uh, and I'll even mention the, the final pick was the Cardinals with 11 and a half over the Chargers. Um, Cardinals had a second quarter field goal try to go up 13 nothing, which would be up four scores. 
And then uh, they missed the field goal, and let's just move on from there. Okay. <laughs> well, I shared your pain on the, on the Washington win, one anyway, because I had them as well. I, I didn't have a great week uh, either. I went two and three, but uh, two wins was enough to give me the lead after 12 weeks. I am now 29, 28, and three, one game over 500. You're 29, 30, and one, one game under 500 as the battle for the Adam Small Cup continues. Uh, and I'm up first this week. Uh, my first pick, my most confident pick of the week, this line has since moved, but we use the opening lines. The Colts were minus three on the road at Jacksonville. That number was posted before Leonard Fournette's suspension was a certainty, before Cody Kessler was announced as the Jags quarterback. The Jags season is over. The Colts are hungry and they're playing well. They've won five in a row. Minus three is just a tremendously favorable line here. Uh, next. Arizona, plus 14 at Green Bay. I get that the Cardinals are a bad team. They burned you last week. Uh, But the kind of teams that you favor by two touchdowns are the elite teams, the Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs, maybe the Patriots. The Packers are not an elite team. They might not even be an average team. Uh, And there's some turmoil there, some frustration from Aaron Rodgers. 14 points is just too many. Uh, I I think this spread should be something more like 11. Uh, My third pick, Betting on the Bears has worked out well for me. They're favored by four on the road against a Giants team that saw its slim playoff hopes erased last week. I don't care who the Bears quarterback is. I like them to win and cover uh, and hopefully move me a step closer to winning that NFC North division bet. Uh, A moment ago, uh, I told you I didn't like the Packers as 14-point favorites at home, but I do like the Chiefs as 15-point favorites on the road. They're in Oakland, coming off a bye they should be fresh and ready to run up the score against the 2-9 and nine Raiders. This isn't the safest pick of the week. 15 is a lot of points, uh, but I'll go with Kansas City. And lastly, I've been doubting the Seahawks all season, but I must admit they're better than I've been giving them credit for. They pulled out the win in Carolina last week. Now they're 10-point favorites at home against the 49ers. There's certainly push potential with that line, uh, but I'll go ahead and put Seattle in my five. I think they should be able to cover against the hapless 49ers. Uh, well, you'll be interested in these, Eric, because we have three of the same games, and you'll see which side I go on. But uh, okay. I, feel, I feel kind of bloodied but unbowed, considering how uh, crazy those uh, games played out last week. And I hadn't had more than three losses all season, so uh, here we go. Uh, yeah, and you, you, know, you got you got to stay confident. That's uh, one of the keys to this. Whether you're doing uh, doing whether the results are good up or down, uh, you need you need to still believe in yourself and your picks, or uh, or it's um, just going to get worse. So. I'm all in here. Um, all right. Yeah, my my first one also was Colts minus three at Jaguars. And frankly, I'd give more points. I'd give anything up to uh, six if I had to. Uh, I, I finally come to appreciate that Andrew Luck is actually healthy and the Colts actually have a worthy offensive and defensive line. I, I just didn't buy in from the season start and they got off to one and five start. And uh, I'm late to the dance, but uh, I'm in, in on them now. Um, Bears and Giants. Um, with the Bears, minus four. Uh, obviously, no Mitch Trubisky, but uh, they don't even need him here. Uh, the G-Men's offensive line, they think they've improved, but they're going to learn otherwise as uh, old man Eli spent some time on the MetLife Stadium turf. Uh, so I'm pretty <laughs> confident in that one. Uh, I'm going Vikings plus seven at the Patriots. Uh, Vikings have a rough schedule ahead, as you noted, and I understand your your pick. But uh, uh, So I think the Vikings know they have to steal one somewhere to make the playoffs, and uh, it could be here. So uh, and Tom Brady, uh, he's looking kind of old of late. So, uh, yeah. 
the nice push potential, as you say, but uh, uh, Vikings might be able to pull off a surprise there. Okay. Uh, my next one, Seahawks 49ers. I'm with you again, third mm. time. Seahawks minus 10. You know, a bloodthirsty Seahawks coach, Pete Carroll, is what you want, and he is in full-on boast mode. Uh, not beast mode. That's over in Seattle, but <laughs> he's in boast mode about how his team is definitely going to make the playoffs now, and I expect a similarly feisty crowd to win the day and, and to win the cover. And uh, finally, I, I found a game that we're not both picking. Um, another one. Uh, Steelers minus three and a half uh, versus the Chargers. Um, you know, a Big Ben last minute turnover blunder in Denver last week uh, basically gets me a couple of free points on this line, and, and I'll take it. Uh, I'm still not quite convinced the Chargers are ready for, for this level of prime time. All right. Uh, boast mode. I like that turn of phrase there. And uh, with us having three shared picks, uh, let's say uh, let's let's hope we're both in boast mode next week. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, I hand it over to the manliest man on this podcast. John, please take us out. Well, we got meat, potatoes, and three games we both like, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident. So until next time, everybody, gamble on. Gamble on.